In this episode of Common Sense Mia, we'll be talking to the creator and host of the Your Highness podcast, available anywhere you get your ear jams. Focusing on the journey of women in the cannabis industry, today's guest has a podcast charm that I'm dying to get to the bottom of. Diana Crash, thank you for joining me. Welcome to Common Sense Mia. Thanks for having me. Uh, I can, can I, can I assume that maybe you're a little like me and now that I'm a podcaster, it's on my <laughs> resume, uh, as a podcaster, do you hate being a guest on a podcast? It's okay to say yes. No, I actually love it. You do. I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I actually do too. Like I will never give up the opportunity, even if it's like, you know, some guy asks me for change on the street. I'm like, hey, do you want to know about my company? Like, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> well, you'll have to come on my show after this as well. Would I be the first uh, non-woman? No. Actually, we changed that. I've tried to change the language everywhere, but no, you would not. Damn it. And you're welcome to come on. I'm trying to, I'm, <laughs> I'm only going for first. You might so be the first person you're the first non-woman from Vermont. How about that? Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be my goal for my moonwalk, too, to be the first non-woman Vermonter to walk on the moon. Ooh. We'll see if we get there. Okay. Do you exciting. think that um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? Hmm. Yes. Great. Sure. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You answered exactly how I hoped you would. So let me butter you up with some flattery and start this podcast off with the opening segment from your podcast, the Your Highness podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and let's do fave pot, fave not pot. <laughs> Can we do yep, that? I, I knew that was coming. Yep. I knew okay. it was coming. <laughs> let me go first. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold okay. on. I have to pause because I'm not prepared. You were actually here. <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. Oh, God, this is going to be a great video podcast. <laughs> my fat stomach just coming in and out of screen. Okay. My fave, <laughs> my fave pot right now is, let's see if I can get it up in there. Is this, is that clear? It says tincture. I can see tincture. <laughs> I'm old though. So. This is a 4K. <laughs> By the way, this is an expensive 4K camera. <laughs> anyway, yeah. There you go. So this is, uh, this is, it's not really a tincture. It, this is a uh, THC oil product. I, I think a tincture by definition is alcohol. There's no alcohol in this. There is 500 milligrams of THC. And what we've been doing as Vermont has been inching towards uh, opening the rec market. And this is by a company called Memorial County cannabis there you go now it's clear mm. okay yeah and the fun thing that. about this these projects as vermont inches towards legalization is so this is a client and mm -hmm. you gotta do test runs when you're making labels uh compliancy you know it's all, mm -hmm. it's all important that these things look good on the shelf but that they're compliant so when the client prints them out to test them uh Sometimes they end up in my, our office and we get to try them. So this is a very fun. It's great for just a midday kind of bloop, right? Yeah. <laughs> right as I'm sitting nice at little my desk. Bloop. Yeah. A midday and bloop. That's what they should go with their marketing theme. Midday bloop. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's their tagline. 
for a midday bloop. <laughs> uh, but this is an example of some of the great work that Josh Cleaver, our creative director at Canna Planners does. Um, just making, you know, our, our mission is to make the industry look as awesome as possible. So we'll do that one little tincture bottle at a time. I love That's it. That's my fave pot. What's your fave? It's pot a nice right bottle. Now? Thank you. Um, well, I was smoking this right before I came onto this today. And also oh, we've just been right before my therapy. <laughs> oh, no. <I'm> <laughs> um, I was using this vape and it is a golden strawberry cultivar because I'm trying uh -huh. to stop using the word strain um, uh -huh. from Curio. And my therapist was like, is it the weather today? Or are, why are you so philosophical? And I was like, well, I can't tell you the real reason. <laughs> I'm kidding. I told him he knows, <laughs> but I'm like, no, I'm just very philosophical by nature. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're also approaching the summer, one. the summer solstice. The moon is full. So it could be all these things, but probably it's your vape. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's none of those things. It's just a vape. Let's just <laughs> curio. Go ahead and sponsor me. I'm just joking. Cool. <laughs> we'll, link them, uh, we'll, we'll put a backlink for them in the uh, in the description here. And when they reach out, I will I will send them your way. Is that is that a Maryland like medical brand or how's that work? Curio, you don't I have, you are... also don't have to answer that question. <laughs> oh no, I Maryland is an MS uh, is an MSO yes. state, right? So I know I'm probably not saying this correctly, but um, I believe everything that is sold here has to be grown here, um, but it could be licensed from MSOs. So what I'm trying to say is, I think Curio is in other states, <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. but I can't be positive. I'm pretty sure but I'm not a hundred percent, but it does. The trick. Uh, my husband would be able to answer that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. My husband's my, uh, as they say, my weed man, because he's the general manager of a dispensary. So he, he's like an encyclopedia of all of this. And I'm just like, so which one do I like? <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's this one. Uh, yeah. okay, cool. Well, that sounds good. The curio vape. Um, that's awesome. So yeah. the net, the second part of this segment that I've stolen from you, fave pot, fave not pot, is fave <laughs> not pot. Uh, yeah. I have, I think, yes, two answers to this. If I'm allowed to, but it's my podcast. You're allowed whatever you your, want. It's your podcast. Yeah, it's your property that I've stolen. So that makes it mine. <clears throat> so I'm going to do two. One is okay. the Obi-Wan oh, Obi Kenobi show. I am, oh. a, you know, I'm happy that that exists. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I am very happy that that exists. I love seeing you and McGregor on the screen again, uh, wearing yeah. those tattered robes. That's one thing I can't get enough of. The other thing is my office. And I wish I had a better mm -hmm. camera because I would, I would show you all around, but my wife and I have been away from Vermont, which is where I currently am sitting, um, for like the last two years, basically throughout the entire pandemic and even a little bit after uh, we've been in New Hampshire. So we hadn't been spending any, barely any time in Vermont. And we, a couple of weeks ago said, we're going back. Like, even if we have to Airbnb for the next six months, because there's a housing shortage in this country, you may have heard of. Right. Um, 
So it's hard to find even a crappy rental. So we're Airbnb for basically for the next six months. Anyway, wow. we're, back, we're back at the office. There is a, there's more stuff here now that my wife and I are. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say we're living in the office. We're definitely not, but my sneakers are here. All my comic books are here. All the yeah. records, all the artwork that never made it to a house now all lives here. So the, the office is feeling good. It's nice to uh, like just be in the energy of this company yeah. I built and hadn't really been able to be with for the last two years. So right, right now, my fave not pot is being in Vermont at my office. I'm, I'm I love it. I like being. That's lovely. Vermont. I wish that was my fave not pot. I can't wait to live in Vermont. <laughs> Are you going to move to Vermont? I want to well, live. we'll get to. I there. want to. What's your fave not pot? Uh, yeah. Is it Vermont? All right. I was trying to distract you. Geez. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll say it is this right here. It's my Brita. Oh. It, it actually filters the water as you drink it. I was trying to get uh -huh. it into oh, the screen there here. There's the camera. And yeah. And so you can see, um, see, I don't really record a video. Can you tell? Um, but anyway, this straw actually filters the water as you're drinking it. So you can fill oh, it cool. up anywhere. Yeah. Um, I guess since you did too, I'll do too. <laughs> all right so this is technically pot related but it's mm -hmm. this current issue of sweet jane magazine for which i contributed a, a three articles but one of them was really really close to my heart because it's about the child care crisis that we are currently experiencing as a country yeah. and about how the cannabis industry needs to pay attention to that Okay. Um, it was really hard to place that article. So I'm really happy it found a home and I hope that everyone gets to read it because it's a we'll great direct issue. people to it. Maybe you can give me a link if there, if, if it's if it was published, oh, yeah. uh, online, we'll, we'll link for it sure. in the description below, but can you maybe, uh, cliff notes it for us? Uh, that's an old version uh, of spark notes. Can you spark notes it for us? <laughs> Why? Hey, I use plush. <laughs> um, I only used I mean, it one time. <laughs> but anyway, crazy. yeah. <laughs> Just that one time. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think the that there's a crisis. Yeah, there's an employment oh, shortage just throughout the entire country. Like people kind of didn't go back to work after the pandemic. Well, and so a lot of that was childcare workers. 80% of childcare workers left the workforce in 2020. So you combine that with the fact that there is a, a recession happening, even though they haven't said it officially yet, and they have to keep the cost down for parents. So they are really unable to pay the workers a fair wage, mm -hmm. um, the way that it's set up. So my whole viewpoint on this article was like the cannabis industry cannot say that it is trying to be more equitable than other industries if it's not concerning itself with the childcare crisis. Because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people in this industry of children. So <laughs> um, I think yeah, companies at least, need to do- uh, There's more. a couple, at least one or yeah, two. And I, yeah, and I understand it's a lot of money and there's a lot that goes with it. But also it, in my research, I found too many people were quick to say that, you know, just, it's a new industry. It's, it's expensive. It's this, it's that. And it's like, well, okay. So how can we work around that? You know, what are the alternatives? Because um, even though there are articles still appearing saying that women are 
taking over the cannabis industry and all of this. They're not Mm -hmm. because they can't. I mean, if you count the women who are working at home with their children, but they're also managing a full-time job and they're doing the housework and this and that, and they're compartmentalizing all of it. Yes, you can say this is a good industry for women because yes, they can work from home. But as anyone with tiny humans can tell you, (laughs) it is not that easy. You can't just get work done when your children are running around like starting fires and and they need nourishment and they need to thrive as well, you know? So, yeah, um, I, can, I can imagine it's, you, you know, the bulk of the cannabis industry is on the retail side, you know, for my company, you know, I haven't seen Josh, Josh Cleaver, my creative director in, in years because he doesn't, he can't come wow. to the office because he's got, you know, he's got kids and um, mm-hmm. you know, so they're, that's okay. That's just part of the world that we live in now. But I understand that kind of inclination to, you know, lean on the, the, the excuse crutch of this is a new industry. We just don't know what we're doing. Meanwhile, like, yeah, that's not, that's not entirely true. Most people building companies in this industry have had experience outside of the industry. So there's just right. like kind of normal thing, you know, like right now, for example, like for us, we're, we are a startup and, and, you know, mm-hmm. we are on, we're not funded. Right. So the steps right. we take have to be calculated, have to be sure. budgeted out, you know, to the day, really like, you know, it's, it's yeah. cash in cash out, very thin margins. So right now, you know, I'm trying to figure out healthcare. It's like, you know, right. People don't, but I'm sure out. once you get funded, you'll think about that, right? Like, oh, I'm that, thinking might, about that was pre-funded. really my whole, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I did find companies, March and Ash was one, which isn't local here, so I don't really know, but I know they're in California, I believe. But there were some companies who were really trying to do whatever they can to make it mm. easier for even the bigger companies. There were some, um, one of the bigger companies that I found was giving childcare reimbursement wound up firing one of my sources right before the issue was about to go um, into press. So I had to pull her from the article. So, I mean, it's just like that kind of a thing was, it was an illustration of how frustrating this is because even trying to have just an open and honest discussion about it, it was a lot of, there was a lot of pushback, like, well, we don't want to sound like we're criticizing people and we're not, you know, it costs a lot of money and this and this. Like, I get that. Yeah. I get it. Trust me. Uh, but, you know, like you said, you have it in your head that it's going to be something at some point, right? Like well, you absolutely. are factoring it in there. Yes, absolutely. And so many other people, right. And you can't just say, okay, work from home. That's it. We're done. Call it a day. Right. Like that's just not enough once you get funded. I should add that caveat. Once you get funded, once you have the money and the resources saying, okay, we offer um, remote, remote is great. It is great. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, like, don't just sit at that. Like ask the the parents and working mothers and and fathers, what else can we do to make this? Because I, I did so much research about it and found that all of these fortune 500 companies not in cannabis are doing a lot of things to actually make parents thrive at work. And it's really, if you're a big fan of capitalism, it's really paying off yeah. <laughs> with their uh, profits because 
parents enjoy their jobs and they feel comfortable and and that is you know showing up in their work product so i mean there's there are benefits to the companies doing this yeah there's 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 this like for sure idealized vision of working in the cannabis industry and and you know well deserved it's great <laughs> you know like working in the industry is great uh it's not as great as the idealized version says that it is it's still work okay so you so so just working in the industry is almost attractive enough right like that's mm-hmm. that's like a that's a shiny object for an employer to you know to throw to throw out like hey weed's cool right you know come work for me we work in weed it's it's totally awesome add to that 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 is like that's manipulation that is a key skill set in my opinion for any good entrepreneur right in the beginning of starting a company you're you're selling nothing like you're selling an idea for what you might be able to like maybe you have a product but probably not you're you're uh trying to convince someone to invest in you or buy the thing so that you can afford that you you get the cash to build the thing right so when you're hiring people and this is for me that you know for sure and, and absolutely something i see unanimously across the board there's a manipulation in trying to convince people to work for you in the beginning right so it's like hey you know like forget cannabis like cannabis is like hey we're doing something cool we're doing something sexy we're doing something that's not being done before like we're you know we're ambitious we're gonna make a lot of money like you should come work for us like this is a cool thing um and if an entrepreneur is good he actually like they actually believe that right Add to that the sil- the shiny thing of, of being in the cannabis industry, and that manipulation can stretch out way beyond a company actually yes. opens their doors or starts getting revenue. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're still cool. It's still sexy. It's mm-hmm. still weed. It's, it's totally fun, right? So, like, yeah. for me, I, I recognized that, like, pretty quickly. I was like, okay, I can only, like, sell this idea especially to employ like to clients, it's easy, right? Like I, they have to buy it, but to employees, yeah. they're all, you know, it only goes so long before your employees are like, all right, man, like pay me. What else you got? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm valuable, like compensate me yeah. for my value, you know, like that sort of thing. So. Yeah. And I, not I for nothing, feel- but a lot of people like just coming from the retail side of it, I, I don't have specific experience myself, but my husband does. And from what I hear, it's, not always the best thing to have someone who's passionate about cannabis come work for you in a retail sense because they have a different idea they have a perception yeah. that is not reality so right that's saying, what i mean about what, the hey, cannabis side of it they're like yeah oh, exactly shiny, you're just like heated. yeah and and yeah. and when i was uh looking at what community members were saying about the companies that did offer childcare, they were like mm. well it just adds more legitimacy to your company like even people who are the most skeptical about it are going, well, Hey, it's a good place to work. Might as well try it, you know? Exactly. And I, I would rather people come to cannabis that way. Yeah. I think. Well, that's what equitable, like to me, it's like, uh, well, just take care of your people the same way, like any good company would. And also it's weed. It is cool. Right. Like, yeah, that'll be, that'll be part of, part of the fun, but really like we're here to do work. 
I want to get you on healthcare. Next year we're getting dental. Maybe someday we'll Love have it. a 401k. You know, like you plan out these yeah. things that like any job would offer you and maybe they're not attainable right. right out the gate, but like, as long as you're thinking about them. So I heard. Yeah. Your, and some your, of it, I, oh, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. Gosh, I was just so going to no. say one more thing. What I did learn that some of it was my own ignorance because I'm thinking, why not have on-site childcare? Well, duh, because <laughs> a lot of states yeah, don't allow you to have no. children, you know, anywhere near anything that has to do with right. cannabis, even if it's not touching the plant. So totally. I did learn a lot. Sorry. Anyway, no, no. <laughs> I mean, that makes point. sense. It's like, why don't we just, oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I listened to your, your interview with Jennifer Wetzel, who I've known of for a long time. We used to, you know, I used to see her at all the, the early, you know, New England cannabis uh, trade show events. Like, yeah, I've known her for, for a bunch of years and, you know, you guys were kind of talking about this, which was, you know, there is this perception that the cannabis industry is evolving that, you know, publications which have, have you believe that women, minorities, women of color, you know, whatever, that they're thriving in this industry. And in fact, you know, according to the study that Jennifer did, that's way off. Uh, I can't kind like, I can't even recall like roughly the data points to even like guesstimate right. them, but do you, can you, do I? Do you uh, remember no. those? Like, I, know, I know that was a while ago. I'm just wondering, um, like, but it, but it was substantial. It, no, it was it was hugely substantial. Just like the discrepancies in perception versus reality. Right. Exactly. And I could have prepared uh, for this podcast, Diana. You know, I could have actually looked. <laughs> I could have too. Hey, you know what? No, but it, it is. I mean, just to talk about generalities, because it's kind of funny. I. I actually uh, spoke to Jennifer for the first time about five years ago, four or five years ago. It was like right when the podcast was beginning and she was just beginning this project. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. But as we both know, we hear a lot of fantastical things in this industry and sometimes yeah. it doesn't always work out. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like a huge undertaking and I wish you all the best. And then we kind of reconnected a few years later um, Anyway, the whole thing is that just seeing in that time how my attitude has changed and how I've found out the reality of the situation. Uh, because when I first met her, I was still very positive about, you know, and hopeful. I was hopeful about women's ability to maybe make a change in this, you know, this could be different than other industries. And the people who had already been in it for a long time professionally were saying, yeah, it's not happening it's yeah nice try kind of a thing you know like like wake up <laughs> and now I'm that person and when people approach me and say oh it's so exciting that we have women taking over and I'm going well no actually they're they're not really taking over because back like four years ago I I uh, think it was like four or five years ago they did a study and it was something like 30 percent of women were in executive roles and now it's 13%. But then what Jennifer pointed out was that you're not comparing apples to apples when you're talking about the cannabis industry and other industries. Like that's what I was trying to touch on earlier about, yes, technically speaking, it can help prevent, um, provide more opportunities to women. Hmm. But if you look at it 
like really look at it and focus in on, are these women getting benefits? Are they working jobs or they have job security? Do they have any kind of uh, ownership in the company or are they working from home and doing it completely by themselves and saying that they're in the industry? You know, I mm. mean, so it's not really a comparative model. Like when I was working in real estate, I sold a house, I got commission and that was it. I was done. Right. But with cannabis, anything I've done in cannabis, it was the, the lines are blurred so much between my personal, my work life balance is not there. And I, I mean, I'm yeah. working on that myself, but it's not the same as it was when I could just go clock in at a job and then clock out because cannabis is political. It's personal. It, it affects all areas of your life. And so if you're a true advocate and, and you're really trying to normalize use in addition to whatever you're doing, it, it is all encompassing. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like parsing through the language, you know, it's like, you can, yeah. you can broad stroke it and say, women are doing really awesome in the cannabis industry. And, and if you sure. look at certain spots, bird's eye view, sure, sure they are. <laughs> it's not like it's being broken out by like, uh, you know, revenue tiers, you know, you know, companies right. who are doing zero to a million dollars a year are, have this kind of representation. And then MSOs who are doing 10, you know, 20 million, whatever, have this kind of representation. Yeah, exactly it's, it's like just a blanket statement across the entire industry. Right. Yes. It's like how many of those people are influencers or right. podcasters or, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's all that kind of a thing. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's still important for there to be representation in the, in like those smaller sectors, right? Because absolutely, wouldn't they eventually, you know, doesn't it, does it trickle up? Like, is that, you know, does, does more representation lead to more representation? Uh, you don't think so? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, let me think about that for a minute. Yes, yeah, it does. I mean, because, it's a tough, it's, it's definitely like a heady question, you know, like. Yeah, taking it just from a personal side, like just from my own point of view, as a writer and as a podcaster over the last five years, it has helped to have other women, other moms, other can of parents out there on social media. It makes it easier to be more visible and um so yeah i mean in that sense hmm. Hmm. i just be Did curious I because <laughs> yeah, no, yeah absolutely and, and those are one of the things like i i don't know the answer like yeah i guess yeah. you did like it, it makes sense i'm philosophical me. today didn't you hear me wow. <laughs> i'll answer your questions with that more vape. questions that and curio vape <laughs> vape brought to you by curio um, well that, I mean, that's definitely interesting. I mean, my obviously like white male perspective it's, but, but when I'm, you know, when I was trying to figure out, and I guess this has nothing to do with gender or any of like any socioeconomic factor, right. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's privilege. I don't know, but <laughs> but what I was, you know, the, the thing that I needed to validate was 
the business side of it, right? Like I need to make sure that, you know, like I can see other people, whether or not they looked or were like me, you know, not necessarily important, but whether or not there was sustainability in what was happening. I imagine if I were, if I were concerned with socioeconomic components that I'd be looking for that too. Meaning like I would be looking through Instagram for validation of people who looked like me or, or whatever. Sure. Um, sure. Beyond just like, Hey, can I build a company here? Like that's, you know, great. I'm a, you know, I'm a white male, you know, male in my forties, you know, there's a lot of us. <laughs> can, can I build a company here? But if I were yeah. trying to figure out if, if that validated again, like, are, are there people who will support me here? Um, because That's traditionally true. I've been left out for X, Y reasons. Um, I, I just think it's important too. to look at the, if it's not performative, if it's not a performative measure, if people aren't being put in positions just because of that reason, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I think that it's becoming easier to kind of sift through that though. You know, yeah. um, I mean, you, you know, you're in marketing. It's there, there's a way, there's a way to <laughs> find out what that, that company's real mission is about for the most part, you can kind of get an idea, I think through their marketing efforts, hopefully. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, <laughs> yeah no, definitely. I mean, if you, it, you can read between the lines pretty quickly, like of, of anything, you know, you, yeah. Cool. Well, we jumped right ahead to, uh, <laughs> to Jennifer Wetzel. That was like, two, that was on page two for me. So I got to go back to page one. Wow. Um, okay. Last season, I spoke with a young woman named Alexandra Fasulo, who's known on the internet as the freelance fairy. She's made a huge name for herself, uh, making a very, very comfortable living uh, on Fiverr, essentially. She's grown. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. She's grown beyond Fiverr, but she started there, you know, selling blog posts for very little and figured out how to utilize these kind of, uh, social professional networks um to to build a life for yourself i'm curious uh-huh. you know so and she like i said she documents that and is you know now also kind of added a um influencer to her to her resume i'm curious just your perspective on that uh, in terms of like kind of building a life around i mean you, you already brought it up you had to shop your article in order to get it um, published. So there's still an aspect mm-hmm. of hustle for you. I'm kind of wondering mm-hmm. like how you balance, um, the hustle of people wanting to hire you to create content for them, to write for them versus you generating the content you want to make and then going out and hustling it. Well, it took a long time to get to the point where I'm, I am still hustling. I mean, Oh yeah. I think that when you're a freelancer, you you never stop. Uh, unfortunately, under capitalism, we can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so I started off writing basically, you know, 10 years ago, I would write whatever for whoever, basically. Um, that's why if you do a deep dive on me, you might find that I wrote for the Heritage Foundation at one point for about education news. And I am not proud of that, but it is what it is. Um, 
<laughs> I thought I was just reporting on education news, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know what that so, is. Is that a, is that like a uh, oh, eugenics club? It's like a think. It's a right wing think tank. I mean, it's I, I thought it was it, but it was <laughs> I thought it was just a, a news job. And I didn't really it was one of those things where you, it's not very obvious right away. And then mm. once it became obvious, I stopped. But um, I'm not judging. You, but I mean, don't I don't worry about it. It's OK. Oh, <laughs> you can let it go. Judge you can away. Let it go. No, I would never. <laughs> But I mean, I wrote like how to articles about house repair. I mean, I still have a few. Uh, I call them my stragglers, a couple of uh, clients that I write for where I write about painting your home and landscaping in New Jersey. I mean, I, I do a lot of different types of writing. So that didn't really answer your question, but I, <laughs> I still have some level of hustle is, is what the point I was trying to make 10 years later. It's just when I start to think, okay, I have a few publications that I can count on. I have um, a solid description of being a monthly contributor, then the publication folds or something else happens. And so it's a lot of adjustment, you know, a lot of pivoting. Um, how do you how do you network? What's the like? What's the best way to be out there other than, you know, for content? Everybody says just make it, <laughs> and oh. at, at some point that becomes like completely unsus unsustainable. Yes. So how, how do you? I yeah. Uh, well, I don't create enough content now. I mean, I think when <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I know it's like once you create so much content for other people, it becomes very laborious, I feel, to do it for yourself. Um, because, you know, I've been a social media ma manager, a content marketing manager. I've done all of the different types of content you can possibly think of. And um, it becomes tiresome because I'm like, who cares? Who cares about what I have to say? You know? Mm -hmm. So I, I sometimes have to talk myself back from that, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and realize is, that everybody is that, is that uh burnout is that uh imposter syndrome is that oh yeah definitely oh, imposter syndrome fear. yes it's 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 more imposter syndrome than anything because you know then i have to remind myself that when i do get some feedback from people and they say like oh i'm so glad you wrote that or this episode really resonated with me then i'm mm -hmm. like oh yeah that's why i do it but um, yeah. sometimes it's a little bit much. I mean, right. it, as much as you tell your clients, like content matters, content yeah. is king. Um, but my thing has always been evergreen content. I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of evergreen content. And I love a good what website is evergreen that's content? filled with, um, it's content that is relevant at any time of year. So like this childcare crisis article is a good, I keep going back to that, but I actually had to Fresh. argue about about it being evergreen. They were concerned about it being evergreen, and I'm like, "Well, I've had a childcare crisis since the '80s. Uh, it's only been getting worse. I think it's not going to go away in the next Child year." Childbearing's not seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I like that kind of a thing. I so I love I love like that kind of. That's what drives me. It's something that is evergreen and something that, you know, obviously affects me personally in some kind of way, but is more, I'm curious about it, but yeah. Hmm. 
don't know. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I answered your question at all. Again. Who knows? (laughs) I don't even know. I'm 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 barely paying attention. I'm just just kidding. I uh, I I do appreciate like the the value of the network and under and understanding. Um, (laughs) it's all right. I'll let you get it out. You're funny. (laughs) I'll take it where I can get it. My wife thinks I'm an idiot. So when anyone, whenever I get a laugh, I'll, I'll take it. She doesn't really. She doesn't. Um, <laughs> I know my husband will go, no good. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not on. I'll be like, is this thing on? Yeah. Yeah, he'll do that too. He goes, no good, no good. They're like, no. <laughs> I, I love the idea of, um, again, like that kind of dichotomy of, the thing that you're passionate about, you know, in this case, it's, it's this childcare, you know, currently this childcare thing versus the, maybe the machine of content that kind of people just expect to be churned out, how to care yeah. for your lawn. Right. You know, not ever. I've done but- that. I've done that to death. And I feel like I just, maybe something in my brain just went, no, I'm done. I'm over it. You know? I mean, I've, I've done the keyword stuffing. I've done the SEO content. I mean, uh, the long form blogs, the short form blogs, the videos, blah, 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 oh you know, my God. Yes, this is, this is <laughs> you know how do, it is. Right? Digital marketing is always yeah, changing. It's totally. always changing. I can't complain because it's uh, the biggest driving factor of this company right now. So I can't right. complain. I don't read a single blog post to be right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe well, I don't. I don't think many people are reading anything nowadays, to be honest. I think audio no. is really the way to, to pivot. I think this is the new pivot is audio. Yeah. And Not really to, new, but newer. The, the thing we're seeing is like finding those blog posts that are performing well, you know, those maybe slightly more mundane blog posts that still have mm-hmm. great value and then turning them into video content or yeah, yeah, mostly like YouTube content, but that's definitely a way, you know, part, part of the science is like, okay, I want, you know, Hey, Diana, please write this blog post. And then the blog post comes and then most people think it just gets thrown up on the blog. Meanwhile, if you're good at it, which we aren't always, but if you're good at it, you're turning that blog into like 15 other things, you know? So it's, uh-huh three couple Instagram posts and, you know, whatever, a real, you know, in this day and age, everything's yep. got to be a real. So 12 um, different tweets. Yeah. 12 different tweets. I haven't been on Twitter since 2006. So what? It's yeah, <laughs> real. Wow. How are you in digital marketing and not on Twitter? Come on. <laughs> oh, I, I hire people to be on Twitter for me. <laughs> well, that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't, there's just like, there's a vibe, you know, there's, there's fun. Twitter's great, but it's one of those things that like, it's a dumpster fire and I love dumpster yeah, fires. So, yeah. So if I get too close, I'll just be like that sweet, sweet burning trash. Let me get some of that. <laughs> well, I haven't been on Facebook in like two years. I mean, I go on for I five minutes Facebook every me. few months just to check things, but I, I will not go on Facebook. I can't. Yeah, no, no. It's just too My mom got a Facebook account and I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Um, you started a company called the Good uh, Good Vibes Marketing Agency. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like you you made a pretty solid go out of it. Um, 
What was that experience That's like nice. starting your own company? <laughs> That's kind. Um. <laughs> three years. I mean, you got you got three oh, years well. logged on your LinkedIn account. I mean, that's I that's do. a solid go. But I mean, agency. It was mostly just me at the end. There, I get it. So, I also I mean, have an agency, so yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> well, I definitely put the cart before the horse, but it was like one of those situations. See, cannabis. I feel like this is another reason why it's so different than any other industry. You have to put the cart before the horse a lot of times. Um. And so I had a lot of digital marketing. Okay. So what that means for me is I had a lot of experience. I worked for a lot of different agencies and I was doing freelance work and I was seeing a lot of things I would do differently. And so I was like, well, let me come up with what, what I think I can offer people that is in my mind different. And I had the business cards printed out and I, and I had a marketing plan for our own growth. Um, but then our salespeople, they didn't really, um, the people that I had, you know, brought in, weren't really as excited about it as I was. And they Mm. didn't, uh, they didn't really embrace the process, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we had clients that, you know, faulted on their invoices and owed us thousands of dollars. And so that set us back even with contracts. Um, so basically things were just kind of starting to go, yeah. you know, backwards. There, there's um, definitely uh, yeah. that, that cash flow point of like, you know, try, trying to keep, like half of one of your eyes on the road ahead of you and then right making sure people are paying those invoices making sure that there are new invoices going out new contracts to make new invoices all that stuff it's a lot yeah i mean people say oh when you're an entrepreneur you have to like put on you have to wear 10 hats and all of this but like i was trying to wear 20 hats and it was too much Mm -hmm. and i know now you know if i need but going forward i would make sure that i have a lot more figured out before I start. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much. <laughs> so, well, so what you're talking about is failure and failure is mm-hmm. very easily uh, interpreted as being something bad. Like we've been kind of, <laughs> you know, brainwashed into thinking that if you fail, then you, yeah. you're a loser. And failure is not, I mean, the amount of times I've failed with planners alone, I I mean, I I could write several books, but the amount of times I've failed over my life, I would have many, many, many more books. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. But failure is a learning tool. Um, Like you're you're only a loser if you don't learn from that failure, right? You have to learn from your mistakes and and take those as as just opportunities to, learn what to do and what not to do when you try to do it again. So I'm, I'm curious, like what, what was your, what was your learning lesson? My learning lesson was that just because you're really experienced in something and you know a lot about it, doesn't mean that you necessarily need to be the founder of something and, or be, you know, the inventor or the creator, whatever. I mean, what I've learned over this time is that I have developed a lot of insight from my experiences and this insight is very valuable 
and I should stop giving it away for free. <laughs> um, that was a really important lesson. And I also learned that um, it helps to really take stock of what you are able to do and what you're willing to do before you begin. Um, and also I learned that contracts don't necessarily mean anything for some people. <laughs> yeah. For most people, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, those are Diana, like all things that I can absolutely relate to. And those yeah. are, those are learning lessons. Th those are ways in which I, you know, failed myself again, just, just doing those things. And like, part of it is, you know, for me was, I think, I don't know, like entrepreneurialism is kind of like drugs or maybe like, mm -hmm being a priest and i don't mean like the gross parts about being a priest i mean like i have those are this... wildly different things well, <laughs> yes, they are. what i mean is, is like the, the i don't have a choice that i've been called yeah. here or i'm addicted to this <laughs> that that was the analogy i said it. <laughs> oh, okay i was like uh... i can't live without this thing it's heroin no i i uh oh <laughs> that feeling of like, no. I, th there's no other, there's no other option for me mm -hmm. and not because I'm optionless, but because like, this is my calling. This, this yeah. thing has present. And in my case, it was can of planners. This thing has presented yeah. itself to you. And no matter what the fuck up, you have to figure it out because there's no going back. There's no like going to clock into a job again. You've tasted what it's like to not do that, to, to live a different life. Right. Um, right. And, and for me, there was no going back. And, but you, you're goddamn right. I, I recognized every one of those, I hope most of them, you, those failures, like quickly, mm -hmm. quickly. And I either, yeah. you know, pivoted or, or didn't. Um, right. I think I got scared because, you know, you, we just talked about the hustle and it's like, I, I have a, um, a tendency to, to start to freak out, you know, freelance life can kind of go, Ooh, right. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm in that downturn, I go, Oh, I need more work. I need more work. And I start yeah. like putting more on my plate and I put way too much on my plate. Oh my God. Um, and so I've also tried, I'm trying to refrain from doing that now. And I, I, my therapist told me to wait a beat before I respond to somebody and say, yes, I'll do that. You know, give it 24 hours. No? Yes, I have oh actually. I just did that this week and it was really great. I've said no quite a bit. And it's funny because the moment I said, that's it, I'm done with digital marketing and cannabis. That's when people started to reach out to me and ask me if they could hire me to do something. So it was almost like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like we want to pay you to use your, what you've learned over all these years. And then it was like a light bulb went off. Like, okay. Oh yeah. I should be doing that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's amazing. And that's equally as important as understanding where you could improve is understanding what's right in front of you. Because I mean, 
I feel like I'm pretty self-aware, but there, you know, there's for sure times where I'm like, wait a minute. Like, did that guy, like it happened the other day, I was at the grocery store and I, someone just walked by and they're like, and I live in a small town. So this could just be my ego. But anyway, someone's like, Hey, Will. And it was not someone I'd ever seen in my life. And I was like, Oh, that's so weird. And I didn't think twice about it. And my wife's like, it must be from the podcast. And of course it's not from the podcast. (laughs) It's from like something, you know, just seeing me around town or whatever, but recognizing that, that, that like the thing is happening. I think maybe like a, a, a better example is like, recognizing when the thing you're doing is working, which is also Uh hard to do. And like, you can look Uh at your bank statements and all of that, but really it boils down to what are your clients saying about you? What, you know, are they telling more, you know, are they telling their competition to come use you? That's amazing. But also when you stop kind of putting out the, uh, the needy energy, Uh that's the moment the, the universe is like, take right like when you stop being so anxious like ah where am i gonna get my money when's it gonna happen ah and uh yeah it's weird how that works (laughs) weird things i mean we're just bombarded with emotions and like moisture and hair and it's Uh, it's hard to be a person it's really hard it really is i I mean i love god we have weed (laughs) (laughs) brought to you by curio um, yeah. I, I, only <laughs> they could fund the both of our cannabis. Podcasts, <laughs> finest yeah. cannabis products. Um, it, it, it is it is amazing though that like you can that anxiety is a real thing the anxiety the fear the where is my next paycheck coming from mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing I did a podcast yesterday with a woman named Nikki John who's opening the first female black female owned dispensary in boston okay and uh she studied psychology in college and that was a big part of her life before going to you know cannabis whatever but she was talking to me she's like there's this whole uh thing your big ego and your little ego right Uh and i i didn't Uh i knew i know about the ego for sure but there's the big ego and the little ego, and i think the big ego is the one that's like uh, the little ego is the one everybody knows. It's the one because you hear it more than anything else, even though it's called your little ego. To me, it's the loudest of the two. And it's the one that says the downstairs ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one that says, stop doing that. That's dangerous or run away or mm-hmm. you can't do that. Dumb, dumb. That's what it says to me. Right. Uh, or who cares? Or who cares? <laughs> or all of these things. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, the little ego is the loudest and biggest liar inside of, inside of your whole brain, right? It's the big ego you should be listening to. Um, but that fear that you're talking about, that anxiety, that's, that's the thing that you have to learn. How, and I'm not saying you, but one who is like, you know, trying to do anything, just trying to be a person in this life, ignoring mm-hmm. that little ego and uh, jumping when it says go home and go back to bed because it's safe and cozy and there's mm-hmm. Netflix. And there's Obi Wan uh-huh. Kenobi, that new episode's <laughs> out. You know, like whatever. Like that voice is uh-huh. in some ways comforting because you're like, okay, I'm not going to even try because my I know myself, and that voice is me, and it's telling me like it's safer to not try, not do anything. Don't right. leave your house. <laughs> 
you have to. I saw it on. Yeah, I saw it on Instagram the other day. Someone said something like, "Your only competition is your um, or is your ego or something like that." And it's like, Mm. basically, was saying like your ego will keep you from succeeding by letting you procrastinate if you you know aren't really being mindful of that. I mean, that is something I'm definitely working on in therapy (laughs) right now. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I, I have to fight that all the time. It's a, it's a very big thing for me because I interviewed uh, one of my, I don't like to do hero worship, but I'd say my heroes in this space, um, good moms, bad choices, the host of good moms, bad choices and um, Jamila and Erica. And they were like, we don't know what you look like. And I was like, yeah, that's because I'm not very, um, you know, visible mm-hmm. <laughs> in my marketing or promotion. I mean, I don't do video. And I, so then it really got me thinking. And it was like, um, why not? You know, and also that's not very accessible for people. Like they want to know what I look like because then they can associate my voice with something. And then it helps trust what I'm saying more. You know, so I like I'm trying to get through all of that and talk to myself in the logical way instead of illogical saying, who cares? Who cares? It's the most important lesson I think I try to pull out of any guests on this show is like, yeah, everybody that's everybody's got that. It sucks. It okay. sucks that everybody has that. This world would be probably a, for sure. I don't know, maybe maybe a better place if we didn't have. Anxiety plaguing us, uh, yeah. You know, most of the hours of the day, but um, it, it's it's healthy to a point, right? It's and this yeah. is this is what I meant about the calling is is like that calling becomes way louder, way louder than that voice will ever be. And as soon as you listen to the calling, or you know, abide by the universe, or whatever you hippies want to call it, um, yeah that voice kind of goes away. Like, I don't hear that voice too much anymore. I used to hear it like, yeah, I know crazy. Like that voice would be like, same. Hey, fat ass. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But it's, it's so much work though. Like you said, it's so much work. It's like, to me, it's akin to going and doing cardio. I'm like, I have to go get on the GD treadmill and, you know, raise my heart rate. It's like that kind of a thing. It's like, oh, I have to have this inner monologue or dialogue and tell myself that I. We all need to be more like Truman from the Truman Show. You know, like that's the best (laughs) example of this. Truman, like he just lived in this this world that he thought was not a lie, right? Yeah. Everybody was lying right to him, and he was lying to himself. And then he figured out that there was a door over there that he could walk through and get to the real world. And once he got to that real world, it was just. That just came to me. I haven't even thought about the Truman Show since probably 1996 when it came out. But anyway, I digress. I would say I'm more Truman. like Jim Carrey in the documentary that he was on in Netflix where he was like, is time even real? That's like, that's where I'm by. There you go. <laughs> You're talking about how he's idealistic and I'm I'm on the Jim Carrey that's like, nothing is what you think it is. And <laughs> I still love the Jim Carrey that's coming out of the rhinoceros's ass. So that's the one oh. I think about. Um, so following the good vibes marketing agency and that fizzling out and you taking these life lessons, where did, where did podcast? Cause you have been podcasting for a while. 
This has been a big yes. part of your, your life for quite some time. Yeah, we're coming up on five years, actually. Yeah, that's um, crazy. And actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it actually started, uh, it actually started as a way to boost good vibes marketing because, um, mm -hmm. I was trying to find clients and I was also willing to do things for trade and things like that. Cause I'm a socialist and not a <laughs> I believe in trade anyway. Um, that's all to say that I was working with Morgan Christine of the, uh, women in cannabis. Um, it's no longer, a group, but it was a group that was um, about, it was the Pacific uh, Northwest, I think. Um, it was mostly in Seattle. Basically, it was a, a cannabis group of women and it was a nonprofit. And she was trying to get more women to join and pay attention to it. She was just trying to get more visibility, basically. And she was getting really frustrated with lack of website traffic lack of social media interactions. And at the time it was even more difficult than it is now with the censorship. So I was like, why not do podcast? And I don't know why it popped in my head. I can't remember the impetus, but maybe it was, I was just listening to podcasts and I was like, why don't we do this? <laughs> and um, talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, five years later, how hard can it be? Yeah. Very hard. Exactly. Yes. And it has changed a lot over the years. And um, Christine doesn't work with me uh, as a co-host anymore, but she did in the beginning. And uh, then I had another co-host for a while, Leah D'Ambrosio of Bake Smart. And now... I have my husband joining from the other side because he's my producer. So he's going to be my occasional co-host this season. Cool. Yeah. What do so you, really, what do you think the really co-host changes? Is the co-host, I mean, cause I've heard you with a co-host and I've heard you without a co-host and mm -hmm. you're very capable and can definitely hold a conversation for an entire podcast on your own. Why do you feel like you need a co-host? <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I don't. All right, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a really good question. I well, he's not going to join in every conversation. Um, it's basically we're changing the way it's set up again. Like I um in the beginning, I had it so that we had a segment in the in the beginning, we would talk about a topic, me and the co-host, and then we would have guest interviews after that. Right now, how it is, is that I am interviewing guests and then that's the episode. But I'm changing it to be more about a discussion in the beginning. And then later on in season six, you'll see it more. But um, I'm going to be tailoring certain episodes to certain themes. Hmm. Um, like I just started a B-side this season. What's that mean? And... See, I should have thought about that a little bit more. I thought more people would be like, oh, B-side. Oh, like, you know how? The, yeah, as in uh, uh, Let It Be and uh, yeah. Lady Madonna. All right. No, yeah, B-side. <laughs> the B-side yeah, to yeah. Let It Be with... I'm old. Okay, your record. I'm old. Your B-side to your record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like we're doing... We're doing... Um, right now, it's a trauma series. And so it's about all the ways that trauma impacts different areas of your life. I just did an episode about how it impacts se sexual health 
And the reason why we're calling it B-side is because it's not specific to cannabis, but it is also to draw some attention um, on people who are doing real work in this industry. Like this is Jane Project, which is a nonprofit that I am on the board of. And they are helping women and non-binary trauma survivors obtain free cannabis through Compassionate Care Program in California. So this series is kind of a way to highlight what they're doing, but also to just have really important conversations. Um, We talked about ACE scores, which means, I don't know if you're familiar, but ACE scores are adverse childhood experiences. And it's a survey. And if you take, it's, I think, six questions, might be 10. But anyway, you take this survey. We actually went through all of the questions in the episode, my husband and I. And the more you answer yes, the higher your score is. And the higher your score is, the higher your likelihood is of having uh, autoimmune diseases, addiction, um, divorce. You become... Uh, more likely to experience depression and anxiety. I mean, you name it. It's like all of the negative (laughs) adversities that you can think of, you experience the higher your number is. And so we talked about that in one episode. And we will also be talking about brain health and how trauma impacts your brain. And that one's a little bit more cannabis focused because we'll talk about, um, brain elasticity and how cannabis helps with that. Sounds good. Sounds like you've got a, a, a hefty season ahead of you. So you're pivoting, you're, you're evolving the podcast kind of constantly. Yes. And I also have one more collaboration if I can talk about it really quickly. (laughs) We have, We have a travel show that we'll be doing monthly. And um, if anyone's ever heard of the show, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? It mirrors that. I can't kind of. not. I can't not. Sorry. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Sorry. I, no, please. We're going to have something like that. But Dom the Cannon Mom is actually doing her own original version of that. And it's going to be Where in the World is V Castillo. Um, and she is the traveling vegan writer, and she goes all over the country to highlight BIPOC farmers and cultivators and um, bud and breakfasts. She works with bud and breakfast um, to find places that allow you to medicate while you're traveling. So we're going to have a lot of really fun things come out of that. Um, but the one constant will be a monthly segment where she updates everybody on her travels and what she's written that month. And we talk about some of her sponsors, Ball Family Farms, um, Skunk Magazine, and Bud and Breakfast. Those are some that are working with us. So. That's awesome. That, will be That's, fun. that sounds like a super fun one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe an uh, excuse to get you up to Vermont and... Uh check out some of the cannabis tourism that we're going to have here. Can we talk about your Vermont actually, connection? Yes, actually, that's perfect segue because V is I know, coming I'm so to- good at this. Ver- uh, You are. Uh, v and I are actually going to be in Vermont for the Vermont Cannabis Week. Um, and Hetty Vermont is uh, a good friend of ours, or the publication isn't a friend. 
<laughs> but sure, Monica, we'll personify Eddie Vermont. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we're going to be partnering with Hetty Vermont in a variety of ways, and you should be seeing some content come out of this collaboration that is Vermont specific. And I also have a couple of articles in the works right now for um, Hetty Vermont. They actually have just published a couple of previous public, previously published, blah, 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 previously <laughs> published pieces that I had with the news station, um, which was defunded. Yep. So they put up a couple of my old articles and I have a couple of them in the works right now that are hopefully going to be published soon. Well, you know, we love Hetty Vermont. It was one of the companies that inspired me from the get-go to be a part of the Vermont cannabis community. It was one of the companies that uh, inspired me to start my company uh, and they became a client. So yeah, I've known Monica for a very, very long time. Uh, in cannabis years, we've known each other for 83 years. So, <laughs> We've known each other for a long time. She's yeah, so we're, cool. We're, she's very cool. I love Hetty Vermont. Yeah, they're great. And uh, we're, we're really proud of the work that we've, that we've done for them. We, you know, took their website is massive and it's, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a publication website. So they're constantly putting out content and, and, you know, designing out that kind of strategy behind how people could find content and how we could repurpose old content. All that stuff was, was super fun. So I'm very happy to hear uh, that you are going to be contributing to Hetty Vermont. Yes, I'm excited. I, I'm i all about Vermont life, even though I don't live there yet. <laughs> I like that you said In my yet. head, I'm already living there. <laughs> is this a, is this a oh, plan? Yeah. You really want to live yes, here? Yes, I, I, yeah, I just need to figure out exactly where. It's a big state. Okay, should, <laughs> should we start a new segment? Where in Vermont should Diana Crash live? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of, so this is a very important thing in the state of Vermont because there's mm -hmm. one and a half highways, mm -hmm. really. <laughs> one highway goes through the whole state and one goes through half of it. Um, so in order to be accessible to, you either want to be accessible or you want to be inaccessible. So that's the first thing you want to decide is, do I want to drive mm -hmm. 30 to 45 minutes to go to the airport or to go grocery shopping or whatever those, you know, whatever it is. So once you answer that question, mm. we'll return to this segment where in Vermont should Diana. No, I don't. Go. I don't want to be that far away from everything. I like to be like, not in a city, but like close enough to the city where I can walk to places and stuff like that. But you I also want to like live to in go Waterbury, Vermont. That's where you want to live. Waterbury. Yes. Waterbury. I'm writing. So Waterbury is right on 89. So it's right on the highway. Mm -hmm. It's right next to Stowe. So you got all your mountain biking and skiing and all that stuff. It's sandwiched between Stowe and Sugarbush. So you're surrounded Ooh. by valley and mountains. It's gorgeous. Uh, and it's 20 minutes, 25 minutes to Burlington. So wow. that's where I want it. That's where I did live for the last seven years. And uh, now that I'm back in Vermont, I hope to be back there because same thing. Like I want to be, if I want to be inaccessible, you know, I, I can be, but yeah, if yeah. I want to like go to yeah. an airport or, you know, you know, yeah. whatever, like I can do that too. But that's a that's very, perfect. that's a, it's an important question to figure out before you move to Vermont is yeah. And also, do you know what snow tires are? Mm-hmm. 
I'm from Maine, remember? Oh, right, right. right. <laughs> cool. I, uh, I had my car serviced and I had the tires rotated like in Rhode Island. Right. And the wow. guy's like, what's, what, what's with the snow tire? Like what's with the studs on the tire? I'm like, really? Like, well, they're called snow tires. Um, <laughs> you, excuse me. you brought it up a little bit, uh, when, when we were talking about your podcast, but you mentioned that it, you started it kind of as a means to support your marketing agency, which is surprise, surprise, exactly why I started this podcast. I found okay. myself no longer, um, you know, going out and shaking hands with potential clients. You know, I, I now have salespeople, my responsibilities in the company changed, although I still wanted to be, you know, a thought leader. I didn't, I don't want to be a thought leader. I don't care. The people who are in charge of marketing of this company suggested I remain a little bit in the front and do things like this in order to put out content primarily, but also to help market can of planners. I'm wondering you, that's what I should have done. Well, <laughs> see, so you're saying know. all that. I'm like, see, that sounds what I, I should have been doing that. Yes, I don't know because I mean, when, when I started, I understood these kind of self-serving, uh, you know, nature of podcasts because mm-hmm. every podcast I've ever been a guest of, it's not like, it's, well, I haven't been a guest on your podcast, but most podcasts I've been a guest on, the, that person wasn't, a, even me, I, I'm not a podcaster. I'm a, you know, the CEO of a company who does a podcast, right? right? Like it's, it's a thing. It's like a hobby I have, a professional hobby I have. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm kind of curious on your uh your, your view on kind of that self-serving nature, like, am I even putting out content that people care about? And I don't mean me, but like, are, is this self-serving or do you think that the industry actually needs these kinds of conversations in order to validate either a fear or why they shouldn't have a fear? I think both of those things are true. If that's possible. I think that it's both silly and and also fun and and sometimes it's self-serving and sometimes it's really serious but i think that um i think it's important to have the conversations but sometimes i get caught up in that where i'm like is this really servicing my audience i mean i will be honest and say there are at least two handfuls of podcast episodes that i have not aired Mm-hmm. I have done interviews and then finished them and said, that wasn't, that's not something I want to put out. Um, and I would say it's more about the respect from the other person, because like you said, it's very self-servicing and it can be that way. It can feel that way, but it can also be that way sometimes. And it's a turnoff when someone comes to your show and they don't even find out what your name is or what the podcast that they're on is about. And then they just want you to go into it. Like you're not really a person who put all this time into pre-show prep and, you know, taking a chunk of time out of your day. I mean, it's like no reciprocation of respect. And, um, and that has happened enough where I've, there's been times where I'm like, I need to take a break, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and kind of refocus. And so one of the things I did was I put a questionnaire before people are allowed to book with me. Mm-hmm. And I put some questions in there, like, what do you really want to talk about? And I make it clear that I'm going to have an open and honest conversation. And I do give people a guide the day before, but if you push me too much <laughs> about it, I might not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all about respecting the process of that person, that person's process. And, um, and so I think as long as you do that, you'll generate organic, honest conversations that are valuable and meaningful. But if you don't, and I've, and I've been in that road, I have had some where I'm like, eh, that was basically yeah. an infomercial. You know, that, yeah, that's interesting. I, I've been again, and that hearing you hearing you articulate it that way. And I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I have been that guest where I can tell like that maybe my answers are coming out a little more canned than normal because I can tell that this person doesn't actually give a shit. Right. You're like, so anyway, moving on to the next question, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. when, when it stops being, uh, you know, feeling good organically, like that's when I'm like, okay, well, bye, I guess. Right. And maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that's the answer right there is like, it stops being self-serving. Like when you can actually engage with that other person, right? Mm-hmm. Self-serving, not self-servicing. Yeah, self-servicing might be something else. That's something else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about that one on the uh, the next episode. <laughs> Your after hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My after. Yeah, common sense of Mia after dark. Uh, what do you? I mean, so with with that in mind, what are you hoping your impact on your listeners is? I hope that they learn something new. I mean, that's, I try to, I listen to a lot of podcasts that have nothing to do with cannabis. I listen to true crime and politics and all of that. And if I can stay interested, then it's usually because I've learned something new or I'm laughing. And so if I can do one of those things, then to me, I'm providing value for my audience. Okay. I like that. I'm, I was thinking about turning this into a true crime um, series, but I just didn't want to like, I would love to, I didn't want to kill anybody. I just don't have it in me. <laughs> I know. I realized a lot of them are just like people sitting there talking about watching 2020 or something like that. And it's like, well, that's not really true crime. Like you're just talking about something you watched. <laughs> Well, my favorite one lately, and this is, this podcast is old, but I just found it. You know how that happens. It's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about, um, so I'm a road, I grew up in Rhode Island and, Mm -hmm. uh, there's this podcast about the mayor of Providence. His name was Buddy Cienci. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he, Uh you know, was one of the most corrupt Paul, you know, he, the most corrupt politician of all time. He was, mm-hmm. he was reelected uh, to, uh, to be the mayor of Providence from a jail cell where he was being detained for stabbing a, uh, 
someone with a pencil or something like that. Like this guy Whoa. was crazy, but he was mayor. What's it for... <sighs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you just Google buddy, <laughs> buddy, CNC, uh, buddy, CNC uh, podcast, okay. you'll, you'll find it, but it's like, and I remember living through this and my dad was a like politician growing up, like when I was growing up in the eight, mm-hmm. you know, 80s and 90s. So like he knew Buddy Cianci, like it was just like, oh my, like they'd interview people and I'd be like, I'm pretty sure it's my dad's like old law partner or something, you know, like something like that. So like, that's a good one. Wow. I'll find yeah. out the name and I'll post I always think about what's going to happen. Do, I always think about that. Like when, when I do eventually become part of a true crime documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, what's going to happen when they ask me what happened seven years ago? Like, I can't Where's someone going to find my body? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like I'm the suspect, you know? Because oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where I always go. Yeah, that. <laughs> Uh, all right. I want, I want to kind of pull it back around. And I, again, your time is very valuable. I appreciate you you very much taking the time out of your busy day to talk with me. I have one last question for you. Um, if you can give me some podcasting advice, so I have not been doing this nearly as long as you have, I have, you know, maybe a couple dozen episodes under my belt. You have way more than that. So I'm curious beyond, you know, having the lights and the cool microphone that every podcaster has and like all the bullshit and, and knowing how to press. I don't have all the soon. bullshit. Yeah. See, okay, <laughs> I don't so even have all the bullshit. This is exactly, <laughs> this is, this is the perspective I need. It's not about the bullshit, man. <laughs> it's about the boundaries. That's it. You have to set boundaries and that is probably the most important thing. Um, if you have, your own way of working and you say, look, I need you to respect the fact that I'm not going to send you questions the day before. And a publicist says, yes, but my client wants them. (laughs) Then you say, well, I'm sorry, maybe this isn't the show for you. Um, This is how we work. And I've done that several times. And I've had- When a publicist asks that of me, I'm like, I don't write questions. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing to send you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure they didn't book their clients either. And that's the other thing you have to uh, be prepared for that, you know, and and that's not your fault. That's their fault. That's their issue. Um, But yeah, boundaries are major um, because otherwise people will expect you to have, they'll have free reign of your show. (laughs) People will do whatever they want if you let them. Right. Um, I mean, that's pretty much been my, my biggest takeaway because in the beginning I was always making arrangements and trying to bend over backwards. And I'm like, well, I guess I could do it at night. I guess I could do it here. And you know, oh, I'm outside walking. I'll do it anyway. You know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) that sort of thing. I do know that. Yeah. This is, yeah. And uh... people will say well, I was just gonna yeah, say, I think I just, this is this goes uh, to like that that fear of of losing or failing or whatever. If I don't mm-hmm. jump on this opportunity, if I don't give this person the thing that I charge money for for right. free, you know, like if if I if I say I can do a thing that I never would say I can actually do, you know, like all those things, the drawing the boundaries, knowing when to say no, like being true to yourself, like these are all things that add to your confidence and just make you a a better person and also a a way better podcaster. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is 
just find what drives you because, you know, you want people to be able to promote themselves. That's the nature of the beast. But also you want to have your brain stimulated. Yeah. And so don't set yourself up for <laughs> boredom. You know, <laughs> don't yeah. set yourself up for the opportunity to space out in the middle of an interview. Yeah. Um, and those are my, my two pieces of advice. Well, I think that's a lovely sentiment. I have been incredibly not bored for the last uh, hour-ish uh, speaking with you. I appreciate your time. Um, so with, with that in mind, let's use this next opportunity, Diana Crash, to promote yourself uh, and let the listeners know where they can find your podcasts, more about you, uh, however, whatever. Yeah, thank you. Me? I appreciate that. That's the part I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> can What's you tell um, yeah <laughs> so my website and um it's not done yet so don't judge me is yourhighnesspodcast.org and then you can find us on instagram at your highness podcast and on twitter at your highness um and then for my writing you can just google diana ashley crash uh, my my first full name is diana ashley but i go by diana my professional name. <laughs> yes, but please do check out the latest issue of Sweet Jane magazine and also Camp Curious magazine. Oh, I actually have a couple of Sweet Jane magazine. Oh, I did it again. I put it the wrong. Yeah, okay. See, see, I don't have all the bullshit. I also wrote something in this one. Moving Cannabis on business. <laughs> There you go. The other way. The other <laughs> way. <laughs> Global Cannabis Times. Um, and Cannabis Curious. You're all over so, the place. And soon to be yes. soon to be uh, a byline at Hedy Vermont. Well, already one, but oh, yes. to and H- more to Hedy Vermont. Lovely. And Vergard. And Vergard. I was going to say Vergard. Vanguard mag- Magazine. Uh, Vanguard Media Online is another one. You can find a lot of my work. Cool. We will post a lot of these things in the description below. Diana Crash, she is the host of Your Your Highness podcast, available anywhere you get podcasts. Please go subscribe, like, do all the things that you do. Support her. She's amazing. Uh, She really is a really great podcaster. So go listen to some of her episodes or all of them. Uh, There are plenty. Oh, thank you. Yeah, listen to all of them. Uh, Diana Crash, thank you so much for joining us at Common Sense of Mia. I've been your host, Will Reed. I hope I've been charming and funny. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.